Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I have a special guest with me today, a friend and uh, a colleague in some uh, interfaith collaborations that we've been doing. In fact, we've just been working on one earlier today. I'm here with Reverend Pedro Silva, who is a minister at the First Congregational Church in downtown Boulder. And uh, it's good to be with you, Pedro. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I wanted to have this conversation with you, partly because uh, in the Jewish tradition, we begin this week the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus, and start reading that whole narrative. We meet Moses for the first time. We see the heroic uh, Hebrew midwives who who, ref- who uh, refused Pharaoh's decree to uh, kill all of the, uh, the, the, ba- the firstborn babies, the male babies. And also because we are in the week of um, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, MLK weekend, and... Um, just seems like a good opportunity to have a conversation. So, yeah. um, welcome. Yeah, and do you, how how do you relate to that to the narrative, the Exodus narrative? Is that a narrative that speaks to you in your tradition? Yeah, I mean, growing up, Exodus was a big deal for us. I think that part of the reason why, um, at least I imagine that part of the reason why, uh, when uh, Africans were enslaved and they were uh, discouraged from being able to read the scriptures and things of that nature. I think that people didn't want uh, them to even know about Exodus because Exodus is a story of liberation and of leaving oppression and of a promise. And I think that that speaks, from growing up, it spoke a lot to um, the people that I grew up with and to people who were seeking justice and liberation. And in a lot of ways, MLK was a, a Moses type figure for a lot of uh, African American people. Not everyone, because people had different ideas of what liberation means. But um, for a lot of people, and myself included, um, he was a Moses type figure. And I think that um, the liberation that he, one of the things he said with his last uh, speech, he talked about going to the mountaintop and seeing the promised land. And then he said, I might not get there with you. Um, but I, want you to know that we as a people will get to the promised land and Moses that was Moses's thing he got to be able to see but he never got to actually go into it and so um I think that that is a strong there's a strong correlation there and I think it spoke to him and speaks to a lot of people we haven't quite made it to the promised land have we as a as a society uh no not as a society I think that um people the way that I relate to Martin Luther King's um articulation of the promised lands. I think that there's a spiritual uh, way of getting to the promised land and that we see glimpses of it. Like you and I working together, I think is a um, a way of going to the promised land that we get, we go to the mountaintop at least. And we can see that um, when we collaborate, like what we were writing today, it was like, to me, like a, at least a mountaintop experience and mm-hmm. um, a being able to see into the promised land. Um, so I think that there's a spiritual way of attaining it, but as a society, no way. Just, just to, to <laughs> clarify to people, we've been we're working on a, a, a an event, a, a, a interfaith action, really, um, as a protest to um, more affordable housing and uh, 
We just worked on a piece together, a sort of blessing prayer about mm-hmm. the importance of place and name. And, mm-hmm. and there was something very powerful, both from a creative point of view, but also just the way we connected in that, that work together. So mm-hmm. I hear that. I feel like that when I work across traditions and cultures. That is part of his, certainly part of MLK's dream, right? Right. I mean, the I Have a Dream speech includes that whole notion of people working across boundaries of race and religion, right. culture. Yeah, and he was supported by a lot of rabbis and other people outside of his tradition. Um, and and I think that when they gathered together, they could see the, the at least the spiritual dimension of the promised land. And that's probably, I would imagine, what convinced them that it was possible to manifest it in the physical world as well. Yeah, I mean, in one of the rabbis that we really hold up as being an activist in that way was um you probably heard of him rabbi abraham joshua heschel mm-hmm. who marched next to next to him in the selma march mm-hmm. and uh, famously he said after that march he said that day my feet were praying he felt so so powerfully committed to that to that cause and and to the connection yeah that was the connections that were happening there that day and and in the civil rights movement in general mm-hmm but let's be honest, um, we, we can sort of, uh, the, I don't know if, how much I want to go there, but, but the, the relationships between the, 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 uh, the black African, African-American community and the Jewish community have been complex at times. And uh, even in some parts of the community now, there's been, there's been some complexity in, the, in those relationships. Do you have any, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, there are times where there's been amazing and beautiful ways that uh, we've worked together as two communities but there have been times where it's been more challenging right yeah i mean there's that's complicated (laughs) i have a lot i have probably way too many thoughts about that um but because of my own family upbringing where my mom practices judaism um and i have family that's also muslim um and then i'm obviously um coming out of a a christian tradition my personal take is one where I think that there's um, definite mutuality of all the, I would say like the children of Abraham, um, where we can relate. But then there's a a part of having a story that's so deeply rooted in your identity and then having someone else who either has a a similar story or a story that they also wanna be heard. And when everyone wants to be heard, it's hard to have um, depth in terms of mutual understanding. Sometimes people have to take, for I don't know how to say this other than the way I'm about to say it, which is that sometimes you have to wait your turn to be heard, not because what you're saying is invaluable right now, because it is, you know, the time for justice, the time for peace, that's always right now. But because we operate in a temporal kind of um, way, there's times where some people's voices, the, the desire to be heard now kind of, trumps for like a better word the their um ability to listen to another person's story and i think when you have this um i try not to just say like say that it's that it's just specific people that do this but there's this this tendency um to be selfish to want to survive on the part of every human being um and part of that sense of being of surviving is having your story told and having your story heard and when people are still under oppression or there's anti-Semitism or there's a movement for the black community that seems like it's taken forever, there's this desire to be like, 
I got to tell my story. I needed to be heard. I needed to be understood. And there are many people who are in that position. And so I you're saying that's what clash. creates tension. I think that creates yeah. tension. I think that creates some tension because... Because my story is more important than your story. Yeah. And my, or my story has been longer. That's been going on longer. Or whatever we use to qualify um, the importance of our story. Sometimes when people are still in that place of, I need to be heard. I need my story to be told. I need to be heard. They can't hear anything else. you know. And so it's hard to collaborate. But then you get... People um, who may be grounded, like what we were talking about today, about having um, God as name and God as place and having our grounding in that um, idea or that notion. Sometimes that frees one up to have like relationship like how you and I can have Mm -hmm. um, or how I can have with um, people of other faiths or traditions, because I can't I'm at a place now where. I see that it's just an, a larger story. It's the story is ever expanding and it's a, an inclusive story. And so to hear more of someone else's story isn't a threat to my story. And so, but that's, I think a lot that's of that's such there. a beautiful way to put it. And just to give a bit more context from what you just mentioned, we just the the piece that we just worked on together um, was actually, even though it's a, a, a Jewish idea, it was inspired and the idea was really Pedro's idea, not mine which is um, what Pedro had learned from studying about Judaism, um, as he said, his mother's tradition, that two of the names that are used for, for uh, God are Hashem and Hamakom, which is, means the name mm-hmm. and the place. And we talked about the idea of really human dignity is everybody having a name and everybody having a place. And that, um, and that as you pointed out, when... Um, any kind of institution, society, system oppresses the the tools of oppression. Start by taking away people's place and taking away people's name. Mm-hmm. And so, the idea, which I find so compelling and beautiful, that if we really want to give every other human being, and we've come from traditions where we strongly believe that the image of God resides in every single human form, mm-hmm. if we want to give them that dignity and that divinity then we have to know their name and we have to know their place and mm-hmm. to know someone's name to know someone's place is really profoundly to be able to hear their story mm-hmm. without seeing as a threat to our story right that's that's really yeah that's very powerful yeah and i think that it's uh whenever we get together i know in one uh, teaching of our tradition it says whenever two or more are gathered uh, together then God is there and so um, for myself I'm all, when I'm with someone else collaborating I'm always excited because I know that I'm also having a God encounter when I'm gathering with a person and that person doesn't even have to have a religion it's just the the, the fact that I'm with another person means that God is present among us mm. and between us and, and, and through us and then if we can open our hearts up to it enough then to some degree as us as we show up as, as uh, communally. And so it's, it's um, I find my, my name and my place through being with people mm. and communing with people like how we're doing. Yeah. You know, and then that connects me to the name and the place. There is this idea in, in, in Judaism, as it's coming primarily from the Sephardic Jewish tradition, that, that when two people uh, shake hands, there's this idea that the, the, the most divine name of God in Hebrew is the Yud Hey and Vav Hey, mm-hmm. which is 
um, in some ways about the divine masculine and the divine feminine coming into union. But there's this idea that when two people shake hands, the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay come together in that handshake, awesome. as if like God's name is in that human connection of two hands shaking. And so some people have a tradition after you've shaken hands with another human being, you kiss your own hand because mm. you've created God's name, Hashem, the mm. name, God's mm-hmm. name, through that that handshake. So it is about about connection. That's cool. I'm going to take that with me through the rest of the day. <laughs> Great. Every time, well, hopefully you'll shake a lot of hands today and you can feel that, that presence and that yeah. name and that place every time you shake a hand. Yeah. What, what do you think we should be doing as a nation, as a culture, as a society, as a world, really, for MLK weekend? I think that... Um, or maybe with, we're doing it right now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a part of it, but I also think that whenever we... Uh, look at someone and we honor them and we honor their legacies that we are reminded that it's not the legacy the legacy that they have on in the world is not just to like look at them as some static entity that like did something and that we can and we compare ourselves to that person or whatever the case may be but rather that it we pay attention to what it speaks into our own inner being and then take some responsibility for that so that the dream that he had is not just his dream but if we can imagine to some degree people being able to hold hands or people in to, to connect in that way that you just mentioned, that we take responsibility for that awareness, that we see the work that he did and others like him did as a reminder of what we all can do. Um, and, and maybe in large ways, maybe in small ways, maybe it's just as simple as reading something outside of your tradition or, or watching a film about a culture that you don't understand is a way of creating space within oneself and to make a place for others. You know, and as we start to see ourselves as spaces and places too, that we can expand that space and place within ourselves and make room for other people. And I think whenever we do that, we're honoring not only uh, the legacy that he uh, did his best to live into, but also the deeper sense of our own reality, our own um, identity. Because if, if we're trapped in a minor narrative that says, I'm what happened to me, I am the worst thing that I ever did, I am whatever I feel is lacking, then we're missing out on the, the experience of ourselves. And I think the greatest gift that um, I would say God has given to each of us is the opportunity to express, experience ourselves fully, hmm. you know. Which is also Hamakom. Right. The idea, that, that piece that we were reading before, like the idea of Hamakom being about spaciousness. Right. God is spacious. Exactly. You know, in this, in this week's Torah portion two is where is the story of the burning bush. Mm. God reveals God's self as infinite potential. God says to Moses, I will be what I will be. Right. You know, we have to have that kind of relationship that, that is able to evolve and, and grow as we evolve and grow and that there's no like fixed way. So you're, I think it, what I hear you saying is like if we're so fixed in our narratives mm-hmm. that we can't hear another narrative then we're not in relationship with that God who is is perpetually and eternally evolving with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. This has been uh, this has been cool. I'm glad we decided to do this. Me too. It was yeah. a, a last minute decision to to have a conversation and record it, and here we are. And I hope to see you uh, over the weekend, yeah. over MLK weekend, and in, in some place, some place or mm-hmm. space, right. And see your face in a place in a space. <laughs> You're into spoken word too. I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing some of your spoken words. Yeah, 
Yeah, Pedro, as well as being a pastor, is a bit of a rapper. Um, so maybe uh, we, uh, I'll give some links when I share this podcast if you want to hear some of him. But for now, um, just to quote my beloved rabbi and teacher, Reb Zalman Shachda Shalomi, who um, used to always say, the only way to get it together is together. <laughs> and so here we are uh, together working on some interfaith initiatives and um, hopefully connecting more and more uh, yeah. so that we can can grow and learn from each other yeah sounds good good to see you brother thanks man thank you for listening to a dash and drush we will see you next time